Today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. Building in Faith. It talks about eternal life for the righteous. It talks about eternal judgment for those who are unrighteous, who haven't come to God. If it's eternal for the righteous, it's eternal for the unrighteous. It's forever and ever. It's fixed. Too late for the rich man to pray his prayer of repentance. Too late for an altar call. Too late to confess his sins. It's over with. It's set for eternity. Reaching up high with arms open wide we see. You're changing our lives so we can be our hands and feet. As Pastor Ed continues his teaching series, he'll be exhorting us to live for eternity and not for the temporal. In our text today, we will learn how the rich man only lived for himself and his temporal life instead of living for eternity and for God. Yet we read how Lazarus lived for God and he was allowed into paradise. The Bible says that eternity is written on the hearts of man. We are eternal beings and we will live forever. The question is, where will you spend eternity? Now here's Pastor Ed with today's edition of Building in Faith. Building in Faith. Jesus talked more about hell than heaven. And he tells us this parable that shows us two lives in contrast, going in completely different directions. I want you to see, first of all, the contrast in their domain, their sphere of influence. In verses 19 to 21, it says, Jesus said there was a certain man who was splendidly clothed in purple and fine linen, who lived each day in luxury. At his gate lay a poor man, Lazarus, who was covered with sores. As Lazarus lay there longing for the scraps from the rich man's table, the dogs would come and lick his open wounds. I mean, what a contrast. One man rich, one man poor. There was this domain that each had. One had power, the other was weak. One had riches and the other one had crutches. I mean, there was such a contrast in each of these men. You could see that contrast in their affluence. It says there was a certain rich man, and then there was a poor man. He was dressed, the rich man, in purple. That speaks of royalty and power. It speaks of wealth. This man had it all. Steak and eggs in the morning, designer clothing, I mean, he had everything that you could possibly have. He lived in a house that was gated. He was affluent. But I don't believe the Bible is saying that it's wrong to be rich. Because Job was a Ben Cartwright of his day. Solomon was one of the richest men that ever lived. I think of Abraham who had wealth. I think of Joseph, who was the prime minister of Egypt. No, no, it's not a matter of what you have. It's a matter of what has you. And so Jesus 
was telling this story about this one man controlled by wealth, his riches. James put it this way. In James chapter five, verse five, you have spent your years on earth in luxury, satisfying your every whim. Hmm, that's a recipe for judgment. Now, Lazarus, in contrast, I mean, he was a street person. He was living on the street. He had sores, and the dogs in those days weren't uh, just puppies. They were wild animals, and uh, for a dog to have contact with you made you unclean. So you could picture poor Lazarus with these open wounds and these dogs coming and licking those open wounds, waiting for him to die, thinking it was going to be another meal. It was a sorry state for Lazarus. But God was aware of Lazarus's poverty. He was aware of the rich man's wealth. He, he knows everything about everything. Nothing escapes his notice, whether poverty or wealth, whether sickness or health. He sees it all. He knows the stations we have in life. Now, each man had their own temptation. The rich man, he forgot could forget that he was a steward and he could squander everything on himself and forget about his responsibility to God. Because clearly the Old Testament told of the responsibility that men had and women had to the poor and to the needy. Lazarus had his temptations. He could have become angry and bitter, felt like, why did this happen to me? Why am I sick? Why don't I have money? Why am I crippled? On and on. He could have lived on the slope of a question mark, becoming bitter and angry with God. So each man, the rich man, could have been tempted to just use all of his affluence for himself, which he, she did. The poor man could have become bitter and angry and upset so each had their temptation. Uh, there was a contrast of their not only affluence, but influence. It says he was rich and uh, he was splendidly clothed in fine linen. And there's Lazarus. So there's the rich man in his house, well-to-do. There's Lazarus at the gate, a beggar, a street person. This man, the rich man, didn't use his influence for God. Has God given you a sphere of influence that you could impact people's lives? Do you know we'll be accountable for how we impact people's lives? We'll be accountable for how we use the opportunities, the resources that God has given us. Uh, there was Lazarus with very, very little influence. There was a contrast. But they made choices, internal choices. Lazarus chose somehow to turn to God in his pain and suffering. The rich man chose to make a God out of his money. The scripture warns us against that. Now, our lives have incredible consequences in the choices that we make. Our lives are made up of a few years of choices and an eternity of consequences. How we live, what we do, what we don't do, 
here impacts forever there. Our few moments, our few breaths, our few days here has a lasting impact forever and ever and ever. That's what the Bible teach, teaches. Our lives are made up of few years of choices and an eternity consequences. There was a contrast, not only in his affluence and influence, but in his allegiance. In the text it says, this is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich towards God. And that's in the 12th chapter. And he's talking about a man who built bigger barns for himself, thought about himself, and God said, your allegiance is in the wrong place. Your heart is in the wrong place. Where your treasure is, your heart follows. That's where your heart will be. If your treasure is bound to this world, your life will be worldly. If it's focused on heaven, your life will be heavenly. When I look at these texts, I, I think about how often we are tempted to look at those around us who are prosperous and use them as a model. That happened in Psalms 20, 73. A godly man looked at the prosperity and the comparative ease that the ungodly had. And he almost slipped, he almost left, he almost forsake, had forsaken God. But then he realized something, and let me read you the verses. It's in Psalm 73. And one day I went into the, your sanctuary, O God, and I thought about the destiny of the wicked. Truly, you put them on a slippery path. You send them sliding over the cliff of destruction. The choice is yours. The choice is mine. Either we can serve God or we serve something else. Jesus put it this way in Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. It doesn't, doesn't work. And so we've seen this contrast in them of their station in life, their domain. But there's another contrast. There's a contrast in their death. And let's quickly look at that contrast in their death. Finally, the poor man died. What happens to the poor man? He's carried by angels to be with Abraham. The rich man died also. He was buried. Now, there is an exit that we all have from this present world, an exit. The poor man died and the rich man died. Look at the rich man's funeral. I mean, he had the best casket in town. He had a beautiful headstone. Maybe uh, they made him just look over the river or something. A beautiful view. I mean, they spent a lot of money. And then they invested in mourners. So the mourners were, I'm sure, a, a, a long line of mourners grieving over. And then the eulogy was so beautiful. I mean, they gave a great honorarium to the preacher. And he said nice things over the rich man. And the funeral was just, just right. Poor guy. Well, they took him to Potter's Field. No one maybe was there. Maybe they just threw him in Potter's Field, burned his body. That was the end of it. No, it wasn't the end of it. There's an entrance out of this world. 
There's an exit from this world. There's an entrance into another world. See, death is always the great leveler. Whether you're wise or whether you're foolish, whether you're rich or whether you're poor, whether you're strong, whether you're weak, it levels everyone. There's an entrance into another world. Text says, so it was the beggar died. He was carried by angels to Abraham's bosom. In Hebrews, it says that God makes his angels ministers to the heirs of salvation. You have angels that are assigned to you. And someday, to every believer, he'll be escorted into the presence of Almighty God when the journey's over. And here is this poor man, Lazarus, and he is taken into heaven. Now, I've watched the rich die and the poor die, the believer and the unbeliever, and there is an incredible difference when a person knows God and when a person doesn't know God. There's an incredible peace. I think about my mother-in-law's funeral, Joyce's mom. We were singing, we were worshiping. There were night watches where we were just worshiping God. And when she had a little bit of strength, she would raise her hand and worship to God. We were reading scripture. It, it, it was a glorious exit from this world. And I am sure a wonderful entrance into the world to come. One of the most famous atheists of all time is Voltaire. When he lay down and he was dying, these were the words he cried out. I am abandoned by God and man. And then he exclaimed, oh, Jesus Christ, oh, Jesus Christ, and he died. I think about the agnostic Thomas Paine. He, when he died, here's what, here were his last words. What a fool I've been. Oh, God, help me, for I cannot bear to be left alone. In contrast to those two was the great evangelist, D.L. Moody. On his deathbed, these were his last words. Earth is receding. Heaven is descending. God is calling. I'm going home. Is, is this death? Why, it's not bad. It's glorious. This is my coronation day. What words would you like to say when it's your last moment? In Hebrews chapter 9, it says, And it is appointed unto man once to die, but after this judgment, each one of us one day is going to die. And when we die, we will be judged by God. Whether we've accepted Christ or rejected Christ, whether we've repented of our sins and followed him, or whether we've followed our own willful ways. Hell is a truth seen too late for the vast majority because broad is the way that leads to destruction and narrow is the way that leads to heaven. Hell is a real place. Jesus spoke more often of it than heaven because he didn't want us to go there. There's a contrast, not only in their deaths, but in their destinies. Matthew 25, 46 reads, then they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. 
So the wicked into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. I want you to look at the place of judgment briefly as we look at this text. In the message translation, it says, then he died, the poor man, he was taken up by the angels to the lap of Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried in hell and in torment. And he looked up and he saw Abraham in the distance and Lazarus in his lap. There's a gulf. It's insurmountable. Abraham said people from paradise could not go to the place of torment. People in the place of torment could not go to paradise. It was a gulf, a separation, a grand canyon that separated them. But somehow the rich man saw Lazarus and he recognized him. Now the rich man forgot that death is a leveler. And so the rich man is still speaking out orders. Abraham, would you have a little mercy on me? Please send Lazarus to dip my tongue with some water on it. He still thinks he's running things. And then he goes on to say, Abraham, uh, have Lazarus go back and tell my five brothers. Sending Lazarus on errands. Death is a leveler. All the stations that we have here will disappear. All of us come on one basis alone into heaven. It's the cross of Jesus Christ. It's the blood of the Lamb of God. Something else in this text. Hell is not temporary. It's not annihilation. It is eternal. It talks about eternal life for the righteous. It talks about eternal judgment for those who are unrighteous, who haven't come to God. If it's eternal for the righteous, it's eternal for the unrighteous. It's forever and ever. It's fixed. Too late for the rich man to pray his prayer of repentance. Too late for an altar call. Too late to confess his sins. It's over with. It's set for eternity. How we live, what we do, the choices we make have eternal ramifications. You cannot change them once this life is over and once you're on the other side. And so this man forever would be lost in eternity. It was a place of incredible pain and suffering. No medicine for his pain, no comfort for his suffering, no water for his parched thirst. It's a place where things don't change. I noticed this in the text. He said, remember, son, in your lifetime, you receive good things. You know, one of the most haunting things in hell is your memory. He said, remember, 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 remember the lost opportunities. Remember the lost opportunities when God was speaking and you just didn't listen. You hardened your heart, you closed your ears, you went your own way. Now, I I find it interesting that what Abraham does is he directs this man to the scriptures. Because what he was asking for was this, send Lazarus to my brothers. Now, obviously, his brothers knew Lazarus because they came over to their brother to eat. And there was Lazarus at the gate, and they saw him, and he said, send 
they must have talked about him. And uh, he said, send Lazarus. What he was asking for was this, give a spectacular miracle to convince them that hell is real. And then what Abraham said was this, they have Moses and the prophets. If they won't listen to Moses and the prophets, they're not gonna listen to someone who comes back from the dead. God gave his word and his word is anointed by the power of a spirit, it's an eternal word, it's a living word that can convict and can bring us to the place of repentance. If we won't listen to the word of God, we're not gonna be convinced by some spectacular miracle. See, a lot of people are blind to the miracles when they happen. The miracles don't change people because you can only see a miracle when your heart is right with God. When your heart is hardened and your neck is stiff, and you refuse to listen, you can't hear, see God, even if he comes right in front of you. He did in Jerusalem. He did again and again. But yet, they couldn't see, they couldn't hear. In a contrast, here's this poor man, Lazarus, and he goes to the place of blessing. It says, while Lazarus received bad things, but now he is comforted here and you are in agony. Just think about that. All the sorrow, God's gonna erase that. Lazarus was looking for some scraps and now he's at the supper table eating with Abraham, one of the great patriarchs. God's gonna compensate. This life is so quick, it goes by. One, two, three, it's gone. I can't believe how quick the decades go, how years go. And, and all of you have lived any amount of years, you know what I'm saying is true. We're preparing for heaven. And we ought not be encumbered by things that distract us. Satan wants to camp out in our mind. He wants to camp out in our heart. He wants to distract us and pull us into the world. He wants to pull us this way, that way. He doesn't want the seed of the word to bear fruit in our lives. We have to run this race because someday we're gonna stand before Almighty God and the journey is going to be completed. Earth has no sorrow that heaven cannot heal. Any pain, if you give it over to God, and if you suffer, and you say, Lord, here it is. There was a day that Abraham welcomed Lazarus in, and he welcomed Lazarus into heaven, not because he was poor, but because he repented. Even the rich man said, let my brothers know so that they may repent. He recognized that repentance was the doorway, responding to the word, repenting of sin, turning towards God. It's when we repent and turn from that which is wrong to that which is right. In Revelation it says, if anyone's name was not written, found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. We have a choice. You could have your name written in the Lamb's book of life if you receive Christ. That's the only way. Doesn't matter if you go to church, doesn't matter if you're religious, doesn't matter if you give to the church, none of those things are, even if you're a benevolent person, had that rich man given everything but not known God, that wouldn't matter. 
So I want to ask you this morning, do you know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Have you accepted Jesus into your heart and life? We want to encourage you to share this message with your friends and family. We know that God's Word never returns void. We've made it really simple. Visit buildinginfaithradio.com and click on today's date. Then you can share today's message to your Facebook page and Twitter, or even download a copy to share. Again, that's all available at buildinginfaithradio.com. To learn more about Building in Faith, or to get a free copy of today's teaching, simply log on to buildinginfaithradio.com. That's buildinginfaithradio.com. Although Building in Faith is a huge blessing, we pray that it's not your only source for the teaching of the Word of God. It's our hope that you're attending a church that teaches God's Word from beginning to end. If not, we'd like to invite you to join us at Faith Assembly for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. For service times, driving directions, and more information, log on to buildinginfaithradio.com and follow the link to Faith Assembly. Or feel free to give us a call at 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to Building in Faith with Dr. Ed Jones. Please join us next time as Pastor Ed continues teaching through his special eight-part series entitled Eyes Open, right here on Building in Faith. Your word restores.